Okay, today's reading is Mark chapter 11. This week, uh, this chapter, in, uh, rather, introduces the final week of Jesus' earthly life and ministry, often referred to as Passion Week. Um, the week, as we read here, will begin with shouts of Hosanna as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And the week will end, as we'll read a few chapters later, with shouts of crucify him. Uh, but in this brief chapter, Jesus enters the city in a significant way. Uh, he is opposed by the religious leaders and pronounces judgment on them for not bearing fruit as God's chosen and specially favored people. The theme of this chapter is pretty consistent all the way through, so the lessons to be taken from it um, are not quite as varied as in some other chapters. Here, here are the main uh, points seen in it. I'll just give two. One is the quote-unquote messianic secret is over. The messianic secret is over. If you've been reading carefully, you've probably noticed Jesus saying something peculiar over and over again so far in Mark. Usually, after he heals someone or performs a miracle of some kind, he commands them not to tell anyone. In chapter 1, Jesus healed a man from leprosy, and afterwards, Jesus sternly charged him, saying, quote, in, in, in chapter 1, verses 43 and 44, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. And then interestingly, in chapter 3, Jesus spoke to unclean spirits and demons, and in chapter 3, verse 12, uh, strictly ordered them not to make him known. Then in chapter 5, after Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, it says in chapter 5, verse 43, he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And then in chapter 7, when Jesus healed a deaf and mute man, he, in, uh, in, in, in chapter 7, verse 36, charged them to tell no one, though in this case they were, <laughs> in verse 37 tells us, they were all the more zealous to spread the word. Even with his own disciples, when Peter devotedly declared his belief in Jesus as the Christ in Mark 8, 29. Jesus tells them in verse 30 tell, to tell no one about him. And again, in chapter 9, after he revealed his glory at the transfiguration, in chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So over and over again, this happens. <clears throat> Many scratch their heads, uh, supremely puzzled as to why Jesus would repeatedly give such a command. It happened so often that theologians and Bible scholars felt compelled to give it a name. They called it the Messianic Secret. In other words, for much of his earthly ministry, Jesus wanted to keep his Messianic identity a secret, or his identity as the Messiah. In John's Gospel, he records Jesus often giving the reason by saying things like, my hour has not yet come. He says that over and over again. John 2, 4, 7, 30, 8, 20, and 13, 1. Uh, we get a hint of this here when Mark, in Mark when Jesus wants the disciples to keep his glory revealed in the transfiguration a secret until after the resurrection. He didn't want it to be a secret forever just until his mission was complete. Why? Because more than once people tried to derail his mission because of his fame either by trying to kill him, as in Matthew 26, 4, or by trying to force him to be king, as we'll see when we get to the Gospel of John. 
Either one would interfere with the work of salvation that he came to accomplish through the cross and resurrection. So Jesus had steadfastly maintained this secret, quote-unquote, throughout the gospel. But the secret is officially over after Jesus enters Jerusalem in what we call the triumphal entry. Why? Because of the way he entered, seated on a donkey. Uh, Jesus expressly commanded his disciples to, to untie a donkey and bring it to him. That's verses 1 through 7. And you say, what in the world is significant about that? Well, why was he so concerned to enter Jerusalem in this way? He had been to Jerusalem countless other times, and he didn't feel compelled to do it in this fashion on those occasions. At least we're not told, but doubtfully did. Why this time? Because this time, Jesus was ready to reveal himself as the Messiah. This time, he was intentionally fulfilling the messianic prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 10, which say, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He shall speak peace to the nations. He shall, his rule shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. When the Jewish crowds gathered in Jerusalem for the Passover later that week, um, they saw Jesus riding into the city on a donkey. They would have immediately uh, seen, acted out before them the Messianic prophecy. Um, hence, fickle as they would later prove to be, nevertheless, here shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming uh, kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. So this was no ordinary event. The messianic secret was over. The, the cat was out of the bag. This was no mere miracle worker coming. This was no mere teacher coming. This was their king coming, righteous and having salvation. And the, other, the other point I would uh, bring out of this chapter is to whom much is given, much is expected. As Jesus uh, comes into town in celebrated fashion, the clash with the Jewish authorities intensifies as Jesus rebukes them and pronounces their judgment. Immediately after the triumphal entry, Jesus and his disciples come upon a fig tree. The tree is described as being uh, in leaf, verse 13, though there were no figs on it. The tree uh, appeared healthy and good, but bore no fruit. Jesus hence curses the tree so that it would not bear fruit, which appears to us possibly to be an odd thing to do. What purpose does this serve the story? Or what, what, rather, what purpose does the story serve, the, the issue? To answer this, let me, let me ask a further question. What is the very next episode in this chapter? So the answer is Jesus cleanses the temple in verses 15 through 19. So are these two stories related? Absolutely. Jesus enters the temple uh, where, of all places, genuine worship and devotion should be found. And instead, it says he looked around at everything and then he saw nothing but godless greed and dishonesty. He expected figs from the fig tree, in other words. He expected devotion from the people of God. In neither place did he, ex did he find what he expected to see. And did you notice what Jesus did in verse 16? It says Jesus, quote, would not allow anyone to carry anything into the temple. What does that mean? It means that Jesus was actually preventing sacrifices from taking place. Like the curse on that fig tree, Jesus is, in essence, here announcing that this is the beginning of the end. 
for the old covenant people of Israel and their sacrifices. Jesus is about to inaugurate the new covenant people of God through his own blood, people who are his, not because of the rituals they perform or the sacrifices that they offer, but are his because of their faith in the sacrifice he will provide on their behalf. Some major changes were about to take place, which is why he urges his disciples right after the temple episode not to waver, but in Mark 8, 22, have faith in God. Trust in what God is doing through Jesus. That's the big picture of this chapter. It's worth noting as we uh, close the judgment that was handed down to the faithless Jews and Jewish leaders in that day. They were indeed the chosen people of God and had been given every advantage over all the nations. And sure, God promised there would always be a remnant within the nation, a small group who would be the faithful and believing ones. But so many did not believe when every blessing had been given to them. And as the Apostle Paul would say and lament in the book of Romans chapter 9, when he looked around at his own kinsmen, and he said in Romans 9, 6 and 7, Not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. That's a word for us too. We're, we're in, in the book of Hebrews, well, they're so filled with warnings, and, and it warns us, uh, you know, in, in Hebrews chapter 2, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? We have been given every blessing. We have the Bible in our hands. We have the hymns of the faith ringing in our minds. We have churches on every corner. We have every freedom imaginable to worship without fear. Every blessing will stand against us if we don't take advantage of them. According to John's gospel, before that week was over, he would tell them, uh, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. That's John 15, verses 5 and 8. Jesus is our righteousness. He kept the law for us. As the hymn says, he then is all my hope and stay. But he calls us to bear fruit. So abide in Christ today. Meditate on his word. Seek to have the mind of Christ. Let your words give grace to those who hear. Pray without ceasing. And may Jesus be glorified and magnified in us this day and every day. And that's Mark chapter 11.